computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranges McBasketball. And Tim, it's been a little while since we've had a chance to pod with you being in on vacation and all, but we're back, we're here, we're recording this Sunday morning, um, right in the middle of Summer League, which hopefully we'll have some time to get to next week. But we haven't potted since we did our free agency pod, and we kind of gave the lay of the land. I think we did pretty well there. I think there's some names we mentioned that, for better or worse, uh, the Lakers ended up taking, uh, you know, so... <laughs> Let's dig into that a little bit later. But first off, man, how you doing? How was your uh, vacation? I'm, I think, finally adjusted from a time zone standpoint. Uh, so it's good to be back, be in my own bed. Uh, it, Greece was a lot of fun. We did some island hopping. I saw some family. Uh, it was my fourth, time, fifth time in Greece. My fiance's first. So it was, it was fun to, you know, explore things. With her, I was trying to show her how to skip rocks, and I almost hit a woman um, by accident. <laughs> there was the only person in the ocean where we were, and I, like, almost hit her. And as soon as I did that, she turned to me, did her cross, and, like, dove into the water. And I've never seen, like, an 80-year-old woman swim so fast it's <laughs> in the opposite direction. Um, so, you know, just interacting with the locals was good. Had a lot of uh, gyros. Um, so now I need to get back into a running rhythm because... <laughs> Because I ate like shit for two weeks. But it was a good time. It was fun. And I had, you know, I had my laptop. We had Wi-Fi and stuff. But I didn't really watch all that much film immediately after the signing. So I like, you know, posted stats because we have them. We have them available. I will watch the film. I have watched the film. But people got really upset with me like posting just stats about players as if I like handcrafted them to be poor. Um, I mean, yeah. It is what it is. You're big data, man. It's the agenda. The agenda is, you know, fuck Lonnie Walker in particular, and only him. <laughs> yes. Only and because you don't like, no, I'm just, it's obviously sarcasm, sorry. <laughs> yeah, like I picked one guy that I've, I don't know, I won't know, I don't have any problems with, I've barely seen play, and I was just like, this is the guy. <laughs> this is, I'm going to make sure I post, I find every <laughs> bad stat about him, and I make sure that, you know, like, well, come on. I don't know. I posted good things. I posted bad things. People only complain about the bad things. But, uh, you know, I, I th- Tom, I'll say it this way. If you told me, Tim, the Lakers with four mins and their taxpayer MLE got Damian Jones, JTA, Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, Lonnie Walker, I'd be like, that's great. That's awesome. Lots of value. I'm happy. I don't have any complaints there. The only thing I have a complaint with is that like if if under that scenario, if you would have said like Damian Jones got the MLE, I'd be like, great. You know, that's kind of what we thought. Like, this makes sense. It going to Walker makes, you know, that wasn't a great value for that one specific decision. But big picture, the group for the spending power the Lakers had is, is a good group that should bring value on the spending power. They're not a great group of players. We didn't have all that much money to spend. But for what was available, big picture, I'm pretty happy. I guess... I mean, I'd rather have Otto Porter. It's basically mm-hmm. the same contract. Not, you know, unknown whether or not he would be willing to come to the Lakers. I get what you're saying. I obviously am 
lower on Damian Jones than, you know, seemingly everyone. It's not that I think he's a bad player. <laughs> I just uh, think it's a lot of replaceable stuff. But he is solid, athletic, big. He will provide value uh, playing next to Anthony Davis or in a backup center position. Um, so I don't know. It's whatever. Like Thomas Bryant coming back, you know, I, I mentioned him as somebody I would like to see back. And I'm excited that they got him back. I know he's coming off of injury, but both of those guys starting to shoot threes or well, Thomas Bryant's been shooting him for a while, but Damian Jones as well. Giving that extra level of spacing uh, is an element this team hasn't really had since Marcus Saul. And even then, it was very limited in its effectiveness, right? Because Marcus Saul can't finish a lob over the top like Damian Jones can. Um, Marcus Saul can't you know, rim run like a Damian Jones can. You know what I mean? So there's different elements of their stretch that can be unlocked better than a Marcus Saul that can provide more positives to a pick and roll ball handler. Um, but probably not if it's Russ. So that's, that's yeah. where I'm coming from. I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to like rehash too much Marcus Saul stuff, but like he was a good three point shooter. He, he, the volume wasn't all that high. They didn't lean all that much into his playmaking, but I think he had more to give than we got out of him. And we've never really seen Frank Vogel use stretch bigs. Well, yeah. um, he as a three point shooter is a higher caliber than these guys. I like Bryant has shot threes. It's been like three seasons ago was the last time he was shooting threes like well and and like played any sort of real time. He's played like 800 minutes or so the past two seasons combined. Um, so I am a little worried there. I think he's a dart throw. I think he's a good a dart throw. For a man, like that's a smart dart throw. If he provides spacing, that's great. And that's a fit and that's what we need. But I don't, I'm not looking that at that as like a locked in skill set. Same thing with Damian Jones. Like he just kind of started adding to his, his primary game, the volume's right. not there. I don't trust it, but I, there's some hope. But hope is kind of hope isn't a plan. Hope is uh, like socializing failure ahead of time and like prepare, preparing yourself and accepting failure ahead of time. I hope that Damian Jones can shoot threes. I hope Thomas Bryant can shoot threes. Well, they're going to get high quality. I think I trust Bryant's three point game more than Jones because we've seen him do it on some kind of real volume. But he's never made more than like 33 threes in a season. Um, so we'll see what that looks like. JTA, Trey Brown, and Lonnie Walker are three guys that also aren't shooters. They're guys that are going to underperform their shot quality on threes. And, you know, if we get great shot quality, can hit some. But we're not bringing in offense with, with these players. I think you're bringing in more defense. You're bringing in versatility. And I think that the types of players that fit well around you know, a Kyrie Irving or a LeBron James or an Anthony Davis or a, a Kendrick Nunn. Like these are connector pieces. You've got some finishers in here. Jones, like you mentioned, like more of a, a lob guy over the top. He's got some short roll game to him. He's added to his defensive game since we last saw him as a Laker. He's much better now at like defending in mobile coverages. He's more of like that version of big man, a mobile big Brian's more of the anchor big drop coverage kind of guy. So you've got some versatility there in terms of what you want to use when, which is good. And then with JTA, with Trey Brown Jr., with Lonnie Walker, these are all guys that were used very versatilely last season. Not all three of them were as effective being very versatile, but they, you know, you have some switchability there. You have some size for their positions. And I think big picture, the Lakers are building up towards having flexibility to play different ways defensively in the playoffs um, and in the regular season, which I'm encouraged by. That's great. I mean, it's, <laughs> it sure sounds like a Tom. Well, I'm, I'm still, you know, skeptical whether or not Russell Westbrook will be traded. Um, 
least before the season. Obviously, we'll we'll touch on the Kyrie stuff. You know, I don't know. There's not too much to say except Palenka and Sean Marks. You know, chopping it up at summer league. You know, so they don't have a clear need or a timeline like in the near near future um, to trade Kyrie, especially if a Kevin Durant trade doesn't go down. So uh, you know, in the meantime. Yeah, I'm, trying, I'm still looking at this team through the prism of these guys have to play with Russell Westbrook. and <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, then we're a playing team at best. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> this team yeah. isn't a good team then. Yeah. I mean, let's provide the context because, you know, I, I, and I do think rightly that most people are assuming that trade eventually does get done. However, it doesn't always go, you know, things we think are going to happen don't always end up materializing, right? Mm-hmm. And for the squad that they put together that's literally their team right now, there's some concerns for me with basically no sh- plus shooters. What is it? LeBron and um, like a Swider. None, none's none a good catch plus and shoot. shooter. Um, and Swider on a two way. Like that's it. Troy Brown. And then you league you, average. You hope Christie's supposed to be a good three point shooter. He'll be a bench guy. Reeves should be a better three point shooter. I believe he'll be a better three point shooter. But we haven't. We didn't see it last year. For the you know the course of the year, yeah. um, he had stretches, but not the whole season. So there are a lot of question marks from a shooting standpoint. And if we're to you know if there is no rust trade and he comes back, the fit already is poor offensively, and it's really easy to see how if just a couple of these guys' three point shots don't pan out, it can be another really really rough season. So you know that's that's a concern for me. Is is just kind of like what this team would look like with Russ. It's not, it's better. It's more athletic. It's younger. It's just not exactly an ideal kind of synergy between having LeBron and another half of a shooter in a starting lineup. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That's your outside, you know, attack is desperately needing uh, there. So I'm still concerned, but you know, the other concern I have, Tim, I'll see what you think kind of transitioning towards some of these wing guys is Lakers are still pretty small on the wing, I feel like, in terms of their, you know, versatility at the like at the three or even like a, a bigger guy guarding down at the two. Like Lonnie Walker, Kendrick Nunn, you know, Austin Reeves, Max Christie. These are all guys that are going to struggle going past the two. The two, so the three and four guys you have kind of right now are your Stanley Johnson, you know, Wenyan Gabriel, Troy Brown, you know, these LeBron. guys, LeBron, right? He is still a good defender. You know, it's just a lot of, you know, uh, stuff on his shoulders there. If he's asked to be another one of the help defense rotators that, is going to, you know, stop some of this outside penetration because some of these guys are just mm-hmm. too small to guard yeah. Kawhi and Paul George. Who's guarding Kawhi and Paul George? This is a, an issue for me. And Juan Toscano Anderson as well is there. But I don't see that, like, you know, guaranteed closing lineup guy yet, which I think it might eventually be JTA because of the defense and the glue the glue guy kind of elements of his game that, you know, Lonnie Walker doesn't quite have. And mm-hmm. But again, JTA is kind of non-shooter, so... It's it's there's not a lot of great options for, you know, putting together the ceiling of this team being like a top four seed in the West. It's hard to see it as of right now. 
Yeah, no, it, this team's not there. They they need a trade. If there's no trade, this is not. This will not be a top four seed, even if LeBron and AD are healthy. Like the pieces just don't. They don't work. They don't make like they're missing stuff right now. And the offseason isn't over. And I want to make that caveat because people complain if you analyze anything. <laughs> you know, if you analyze the news as it's happening, it's like, oh, they're not done yet. Um, so there's still more that can and probably will happen. But you're right. Like right now, this this isn't a home court advantage team. This might not be a uh, like locked in playoff team. Yeah. Um, I guess from my perspective, the Lake the Lakers' best three shots at like wing stopper kind of defense would be Stanley Johnson and Troy Brown Jr. And then JTA and <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> like JT is not a great on-ball defender. Like he's an okay on-ball defender. He's a better like helper player. I don't want him defending like Paul George on or Kawhi Leonard or, you know, any of those guys on high volume. Stanley Johnson can do some of it. I think Trey Brown Jr. can do some of it. Brown Jr.'s uh, his wingspan's a little bit shorter than the other two, but the film looks good. He stays in front well. He gets beat with speed the same way Stan does. But if it's against wings, they both handle like physicality well, and they both have good technique staying in front. So there's that. But then offensively, none of them are like reliable three point shooters. All three of them, it's it's you know they'll have slumps where they shoot like 28%, 25% for a couple of games. So I agree with you that there's no like locked in, like I feel great about slotting this guy in there to, you know, have some three-point shooting and have some defense. They have like maybe three and D guys. They're, they're lower end three and D players. And some of them aren't even both of those. So yeah, I think that's a legit concern, but I do like, I, I think there's some switchability I think the, this team can go smaller. I think this team can go bigger. Like you can run a lineup that has like Damian Jones at the five, Eddie at the four, LeBron at the three, Trey Brown at the two. And I don't know if Russ is still on the team, Russ at the one. And like, that's a team that from a shooting standpoint is going to have a tough time, but has a lot of like size positionally, I suppose. Like Russ, Bigger for point guard, Walker or Brown, bigger for shooting guard. LeBron's fine at the three eighties, bigger compared to a lot of modern fours. And Jones is okay as a five. They can go that route or they can go smaller and they can have like Gabriel or AD at, at center. They can play like LeBron or JTA or Stan Johnson at power forward. Ham even mentioned yesterday THT playing power forward potentially in smaller lineups, which is interesting to me. Um, I don't know exactly how well that would work, but I, I, there are options. Do the, do the options work? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, I, I really think a trade needs to happen or, or the offensive side of this puzzle doesn't really work for me. Yeah, it's sort of like, wait, in that lineup you just kind of laid out, is Troy Brown the point of attack defender? No, it's... Mm, that's a good point. I, so Reeves, I guess Reeves. Reeves. And then you don't have yeah. as much of the... So from a point of attack standpoint, Reeves is good. I don't want Russ there. I don't want Walker there. Johnson. I mean, that's still a huge lineup. Like your point's taken. Yeah, it's that's a, a big solid lineup. defensive lineup. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, unless LeBron or AD are, you know, just dominating one-on-one individual matchups and hitting, you know, superstar shots on a regular basis, that's – you'll win some games, but that's just not easy enough 
your scoring life is that it's going to be rough on the offensive end, I think, for this Lakers team. And uh, we need to find ways to make it easier for them through good scheme, good lineup construction. And it's going to it's just hard for me to see that right now. Like, I actually don't mind mm-hmm. that lineup that you built. It's just hard to imagine that only good lineups like that will be used. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, difficulty in, in piecing around these guys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They can put together some good lineups, but you're right. It's about what you put together over 48 minutes. And there will be other lineups that struggle in offense or struggle in defense. I think from a defensive role standpoint, I'd say your your point of attack guys are are Nunn, Reeves, and then Christie when he's playing. From a chaser standpoint, I think Walker and then Pippen, if he gets time, would be in that role. From a wing stopper standpoint, I think Troy Brown will probably be in a wing stopper role, but I think uh, Johnson and JTA and Reeves are capable to different extents. Uh, Russ, if he's on the team, my guess is he ends up in a low activity role. I don't. I think they're going to try to hide him. And yeah. he doesn't help all that willingly. So he's going to be probably in that role. And that's probably the best role for him. He he will be a negative. It's just about like how negative from an impact standpoint defensively does he end up being based on what role he's in. Um, Ham's been having like individual like film sessions with him and they're doing their due diligence, trying to see what they can make out of him. And the output of that will help uh, advise the front office as to just how much of this cause is lost or, or if they think they can make more of him. But as of right now, I'd say we should anticipate a low activity role if he's on the team. From a helper standpoint, AD, Braun, JTA, and he's a good helper there. Sam Johnson, um, probably that'll be his role, although he'll do some wing stopper stuff sometimes. Cole Swider, I guess, will be a helper when he plays. Uh, mobile bigs, I think Damian Jones. And then anchor bigs, Thomas Bryant. Um, I guess Wendy Gabriel, mobile big. Uh, maybe helper and then ad can ad can do a bunch of things but i would assume if he's playing power forward most of the season he'll be in a helper role big picture at the end of the year so that's kind of how i see it panning out i in terms of like which of these roles i feel less good about like brian's not a great anchor big gabriel's not well he's not an anchor big but i think in terms of like the lakers team doesn't have any like dominant uh drop coverage guy if they want to play ad at the four like they don't have the brooke lopez's on this team. So that's not quite the same as it, as it was in, in Milwaukee for him from a wing stopper standpoint. I think you have some options. You don't have a great option. I think you're good on helpers chaser. I think will be weaker, but a less impactful role in general point of attack, I think should be okay. That's kind of where I am. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised just based on, you know how this trade is going to come up to uh, if if it did if and when it does happen, if the Lakers try and send out an extra player, open up a roster spot, maybe convert Scottie Pippen, who in the time I've seen him is a serviceable point guard. I, I like what I've seen from Scotty. Um, what do you what do you think about Scotty? I seen just it? absolutely destroyed myself with my own Gatorade water bottle. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I didn't um, want to say anything because for the audio <laughs> podcast, they could have gone, you know, unknown. Oh but uh, yeah, you oh god, yeah. Um, <laughs> what was the question? Kim just fucking waterboarded himself <laughs> with the thought of Scottie Pippen joining the Lakers. Oh yes. Uh, so my concern with Pippen is his, his defense, I think, and then offensively, he's been more of like an on-ball guy at Vandy. He was like the guy for them, and for the summer league team so far. 
California Classic, whatever we're calling this group of players, he's been more of an on-ball guard. Um, if he's playing for the parent team and he needs to do more off-ball stuff, that's less his thing. So I see him getting minutes if like none goes down or if Russ or Kyrie. Well, or if you trade Russ and none and THT for Joe Harris and Kyrie, you know. Yeah, then there's, there's guard minutes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it, if he does fit in with the parent team, I don't think I'd want him at the point of attack yet. I, I think there's maybe some potential there, but I, right now I don't think he's ready for that at the NBA level. But okay. offensively, I think he can I think he can run stuff. Backup point um, guard stuff. Yeah, I think he could be an okay backup point guard. He's certainly a willing shooter. Um, <laughs> he's he's not the most efficient shooter, but I, I think he's got some potential as an off-ball catch-and-shoot three-point guy. He can run your offense better than like Avery Bradley or KCP could for the title team. So he can be more than a nominal point guard, less than a like true playmaking point guard, but he can he can kind of fill the minutes, I think, if he needs to. Yeah, that's... It's and that's def- what you want out of your two-way guys. Yeah. It's like be able to fill spot minutes if somebody goes down. It's just like that's. I think it's based on the state of the Lakers, where like this two-way guy who's like okay at some stuff, and people are like, you know, this guy could actually contribute because they Lakers just don't have. Here's what I think will happen: if that trade happens and THT's gone, Russ is gone. We'll say none is gone too, um, or even if none stays and and. You're like, where do we find point guard minutes? Whether if none's around, he'll play some. If Kyrie's around, he'll play some. If Russ is around, he'll play some. If you need a second guy, I think more than Pippen playing those minutes, we're probably going to see like Austin Reese point guard minutes. And it'll be with a starting group. He'll be a point of attack defender. He'll be good at it. He'll be very good at it. And it'll be more LeBron like actually playmaking with that group. I think he's a good fit with LeBron. Like that to me seems like an easy natural thing. And then with the bench unit, like Kendrick Nunn can can do his thing. If the Lakers are short on point guard, I think they go with that first rather than going with Pippen. I I don't hate that. Um, I have still some concerns about Austin on like a full time playmaking position, but I think he's mm-hmm. definitely smart enough um, and. If of the right mindset to set the team up, it's just kind of also that the other players on that bench are going to be kind of rough. So it's going to, you know, you're not going to give him the best opportunity to do what he's good at and have the space to operate and make those good decisions, you know? Yeah. Speaking of, of starting units, bench units, if everybody this upcoming season plays like they did last year, who do you have starting between Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves? And I guess Kendrick Nunn as a as a shooting guard. If we assume Russ or in this, we'll say Russ or Kyrie or let's say the Lakers either have Russ or trade for a point guard. They're starting a point guard. Who do you play shooting guard with them? I mean, it's hard to imagine it's not Lonnie Walker, um, just based on the kind of the circumstances and the contract. And again, the capital they gave up to get him indicates that they, you know, intend him to be very important figure for he's got dibs yeah that's kind of how it is yeah is you don't sign that deal if you don't have some kind of understanding or acknowledgement that you're going to be getting Uh, to start for the los angeles not if he he wasn't going to get more money elsewhere i think that's my pushback okay that doesn't change the fact that he doesn't that he still wants a starting job and that was been part of why he'd come here other than he's a clutch agent uh He's a clutch client, you know, 
And yeah, this is just kind of, I, I don't disagree. Like, I think your point's well taken that, you know, but uh, we, we paid him and he wants to play basketball and he's only on a mm-hmm. one year. So it's not like he's just yep. going to take the best deal and, and ride off into the sunset because he got six and a half million dollars for one year. Mm-hmm. You no, know, this is a prove it year for him, too. And it's a team who needs what he has in theory, but he's just, I don't know. I'm still so like, send all the Lonnie um, lovers toward me because I will, <laughs> I'm not shy about my feelings. He's, he's an interesting player, man, because the athleticism is there. He's, he can jump, he can get to the rim and miss layups like, like anyone in the league. Mm-hmm. He's up there at athletically getting to the rim and at oh, not being able Tom. to finish. Tom, he's not. Is he that bad? Uh, just from what I see, it's just not. It's not great. His he's getting better. He's the, when the pitch for Lonnie Walker, like the best pitch for Lonnie Walker that you can make is he's athletic and he's young. That tells me that he's not currently a positive basket like contributor right right. that the the young piece he's on a one-year deal so i don't it's not like there's some long-term you know upside potential here uh i will know that like he's a little bit different from monk in that like if he does perform well the lakers can you know it's not just 100 120 percent of the men they can offer him next year they can offer him 120 percent of the taxpayer mle which is close to like full mle money so they're not an awful. They're not in an awful position to retain him if they want to, and he wants to come back. But he's got a, a decent market. I don't think his market's going to be that good um, because I I struggle to see exactly how he's going to fit in because the shooting to me is a question mark. I, it's not going to be a plus. I think at best he's he's underperforming good shot quality, but the percentage can be okay. He gets to the rim not all that great for a shooting guard. His finishing's okay, but he is really athletic. His playmaking's been getting better, but it's not it's not differentiating to me. To me, I, I think the big questions I have are, are on his defense. Like, how do you slot him in? He's been a really poor defender for n- a number of years. Like, bad enough that he's kind of in that mellow camp where it's like, okay, for him to be an overall positive contributor, you need his offensive impact to be like 95th percentile or something. And that just can't happen if he's in a starting unit and he's playing off ball because he's not a good enough shooter. He's not an off screen shooter. He can do some secondary playmaking. He could do some secondary ball screens. And, and I liked a lot of what I saw from his pick and roll game, but I just don't see how he'd have the type of offensive role for, with his skill set to justify how negative he's going to be defensively. And because of that, I think he will be the, the day one game one starting shooting guard, but game 82, I don't think he'll be. I think he's a starter. I don't think he's a closer. Mm. And I think that's pretty consistent with what we've seen from the Lakers like in the past, not starting their best five players uh, together. Well, we do. Yeah, we do have a new coaching staff. So maybe we're we've got too much. Uh, Frank I, hope, Vogel, I hope trauma like stuff in our, our yeah. trauma in our minds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I still think Austin in that spot defensively, especially if he can space the floor a little bit better, provides a versatility in that in that slot that will like raise their defensive floor to where it, they can actually win some games against some good teams and mm-hmm. and give LeBron some space. But 
again, it's it would have to be a lineup like you were describing where it's like really big with Austin as a backup point kind of closing it out. And at that point, that tells me Russ is still on the team because if Kyrie's <laughs> on the team, he's closing. And maybe mm-hmm. it's Kyrie, Austin, uh, LeBron, Troy Brown, AD. AD. You know what yeah. I mean? Something like that with some switchability, JTA, you know, putting another helper in there to alleviate some of that stress from LeBron. But that that unit's going to be that 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 could be a pretty good unit. Like this their mm-hmm. avenue to being a good team is Kyrie Irving. Yeah, well, I think so. Well, and okay, so let me tease this then, because there are other options that have been floated out there for Kyrie I want to talk about. Uh, but let's take a quick break here, and I'll get your uh, thoughts on the kind of the stalemate that's happening with the Nets and the Lakers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, coming back in, uh, Tim. As we know, this trade, like like I was talking about, is probably not going to go down until Kevin Durant gets traded, if he does. Um, all signs are still pointing toward that, but there's DeAndre Ayton's the domino that still needs to fall. He is not waiting three months to figure out where his next team is going to be. I'm guessing that will be decided, Tim, I feel like by like this weekend. So I've heard uh, Indiana can put up the cap space they could sign him to an offer sheet which would take him off the table in a potential sign-in trade so that kind of eliminates phoenix like pretty effectively and then you move on to the heat okay what are you going to do with ben simmons so this could take a long time right Mm -hmm. um 
still out there as a deal with the Pacers. And, you know, the multiverse of Buddy <laughs> has hit theaters this, this week. Buddy, back in Lakers rumors, where... Tim, I'm I'm sorry. Like I I do think obviously Kyrie Irving is the best player of these players we're talking about, but the unreliability, the you know, just the kind of baggage that comes along with it. We've been talking for like two years what a dream Miles Turner would be next to AD. Yeah. And and you throw in the potential of bringing back another very high quality shooter. I would almost like go full hands on deck to get that trade done. Uh, in as as soon as I can, as long as bearing, I don't really have to give up both. Or is that the trade with both picks? I think it's just one. Um, I think I might do both picks though. I really think that raises this team's uh, floor and their ceiling. Both. They want both. I just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course they both. do because they can get they can get a first round pick for Turner elsewhere. So right. if they're going to give away Turner and Heal, they're going to want more. So that but, is, I think, the challenge. we're giving really them expiring money, which is what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, where I think a lot of this, you know, Polenka well, stuff has been arguing against or uh, negotiating against himself that, yeah, Russell Westbrook is not a great basketball player, but his expiring $47 million contract is very valuable. If they want DeAndre Eaton, though... They don't want to take on Russ, so that's a that's like if if they trade with the Lakers to like move Turner to make room for Aiden. The Turner market hasn't been great. They want to get off of Heald's money and just you know grab Aiden. They're better set up for the future, but they want to clear out a little bit more cap space so they can really offer a max deal for Aiden. I think you would still need a third team to take on Russ, probably. So I think that could be a, a confounding variable here, and the challenge I mean, for the they Lakers could sign then becomes him first like, and then trade for him. They sign Aiton first and then trade Turner and Heald. Okay, it's okay. just the order of it. You need it because obviously, if you <laughs> okay. trade for Russ, he's going into your cap space at eating mm-hmm. that. But if you sign Aiton to an offer sheet, you know, wait out the the waiting period or whatever until it becomes official, or you execute a sign and trade. If you do a sign of trade, then it's, yeah, it's even less likely because you're going to get hard capped. But if you do it in that order, they they could acquire both. Okay. All right. Well, then that would be fine because anytime the Lakers need, it, it, for any scenario, if there's a three-team trade, let's say Brooklyn doesn't want Russ, or for, if we say Indy didn't want Russ and you need a third team, they need to be incentivized as well. So either they're getting off of bad money or you're giving them draft compensation. And the Lakers, I mean, we've seen the Lakers give up first-round picks for for Dennis Schroeder. We've seen them give up first-round picks for Russ. They don't have much left. Um, So probably the best they could do would be one to each of those teams in a three-team trade, which can be challenging, or two to a single team to take on Russ, which might be more realistic for for what could happen. But I am less optimistic at the Indianapolis trade trade. happening just due to I, I think Turner's market's strong enough that they won't accept a, a one first uh deal with the Lakers. But I think having some viable partner is really important for the Lakers outside of, of Brooklyn because right now you like you mentioned it's that that stalemate. It's if the Lakers are the only team that is interested and willing to pay to grab Kyrie and that appears to be the situation. And 
Brooklyn is the like one team that the Lakers might be able to like unload Russ for. Like it's a one buyer, one seller market. Like they're the only partners for each other. But like you mentioned, there's no real date deadline like there is with the trade deadline or in other circumstances. So you're really trying to, you know, if you only have one other viable partner, you're trying to make sure you get the best trade possible. And from a leverage standpoint, like neither team wants to like end up with the guys that they still have. I think Brooklyn could do more with Kyrie than Lakers could with Russ. Um, but both teams want to make something happen. But you you want to accept a good deal. You don't want to just give everything away um, that you you possibly have to make a deal happen. Or you're just losing at the margins with every trade. That's not how negotiating is going to work. So at this point, I would imagine each, each team is probably a couple offers in where they say, okay, Lakers, I, I'm, I'm the Nets. I want, you know, we'll give you Kyrie and Joe Harris. And we want two first-round picks. We want Russ. We want THT. Or maybe we want none instead of THT. We want you to throw Austin Reeves in and give us a couple second-rounders. Like something, you know, not acceptable to the Lakers. And then the Lakers will counter to something probably not acceptable for the the Nets. And they'll, like, slowly work their way together. The lack of a time element here allows them to kind of slow play it and offer more not good offers for longer. But if the Lakers have a third team like Indy that they do have another rust trade set up for, that's leverage to immediately kind of cut through some of the BS and be able to get the Nets to accept something that they otherwise wouldn't. Because, you know, their best well, alternative to having that negotiated agreement is we're stuck with Kyrie. So is it, okay, we get one first rounder instead of two first rounders? Like, that's the question they have to ask themselves. Um, or is it, you know, we can take one first rounder or we get nothing and we're stuck with him if the Lakers do have a, a viable trade partner outside of, of Brooklyn? Well, and this only really works for Brooklyn as a leverage play is if they're willing to say, like, I'm going to take my ball and go home. I don't like your trade mm-hmm. for Kyrie. I do not have to trade him. Now, yep. th- where or if there's another team that wants right, him, but right, right now but there no one hasn't else, been. But that, if another team does appear, if it's correct. like Dallas all of a sudden is interested, right. the Lakers are in a much worse position immediately. So but I guess vice that's, versa, if the Indy or Charlotte or whoever is available for the Lakers, that puts Brooklyn in a much worse position. So that's, you know, if you're at a stalemate 1v1, the work of the team should be trying to do right now is creating those alternative trades because that gives them the upper hand. And yeah, I think it's more believable that the Lakers can find another partner for Russ expiring contract than the Nets will find. Like what's the the scenario where Kyrie is traded at the deadline to a team that isn't the Lakers? It's hard to see right now. I know we're, you know, 10 months away from that happening or whatever, but it's hard to imagine a team being in a place to bring in a guy on an expiring contract in Kyrie, who's already had these questions about, you know, the dedication and the um, reliability, you know, what team does that materialize for? I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It definitely could. It's it's a harder sell and why the Lakers are smart to, you know, there's a part of me, Tim, that's just like, put in a pick, don't give them two and call it a day. And the Nets are saying, you guys want this guy. You know, we just gave up all these assets and and getting Harden and we got some back for giving them away. But now we have Simmons and they're trying to still make, you know, be a relevant franchise. They don't own their own picks. And uh, if you could just get back a THT pick and some, you know, some luxury tax relief that 
you sometimes just got to take your medicine with these big swings. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about it with the Lakers. If you try to space this out and, and make, you know, to have it affect your team less over like the long term, it's easier to just take the medicine now and just take what you can get for this asset. That's not going to provide you anything substantive. Mm -hmm. I can't talk today. I'm sorry, everyone. No, 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 no. I, I get what you're saying. And I see a lot of people on Twitter talking about like, all right, this would be a good offer, or I think they would accept this, or this would be the Lakers getting fleeced. If you're a Lakers fan and you want this to happen, the question you need to ask yourself is if I were in this scenario, what is my limit? Like, where's it from a negotiation term standpoint, where's my NTE, my not to exceed? I go into this, I know that, you know, I can't offer more than that. Anything they ask for above this certain line in the sand, I will not say yes to. And that line in the sand is a real line in the sand. If they won't agree to anything else, I am willing to walk away at this point. I am willing to not have a Kyrie trade. I'm willing to keep Russ if they do not fall within that acceptable range of outcomes for me. Where is that line? Is it is it one first round pick in seconds or one first round pick and a pick swap? Like that is the, the much more challenging question. Because that's really like, how far are you willing to go? Right. If there is no limit, shit, dude, you're going to, like, there's a lot the Lakers can give up, even if it seems like there isn't. They can give right. up Christie, they can give up Reeves, they can give up, you right. know, both unprotected first round picks. Like, they can give up none. Like, there's, there's some interesting things on this Lakers, you know, situation. So where is that line in the sand is what people listening to this podcast need to be asking themselves. I mean, it's, it goes back to that, like the AD trade where you, you won the trade and lost the negotiations um, mm -hmm. with that, that sentiment that, you know, this guy wants to go to your team and it's a unique problem for the Lakers. It seems like it's not like, you know, other teams are having to deal with some of the same, but, but whatever, they also get the better players for doing absolutely yeah. everything wrong. Um, it, but you're right, though, that, that from a negotiation standpoint, I would say from my perspective, looking at this year and previous years, we, we haven't put ourselves in the best position with negotiations. I think AD could have been gotten for less. It was like the most favorable, like he wants to play for that one team kind of situation. Like yeah. you should be able to do a little bit better than that. And ultimately, like you want to get the deal done and we won the title and people were like, ah, you shouldn't be complaining right now. But if the Lakers had one extra first round pick right now, We've got Kyrie Irving and yeah. it's not a big deal. Or Josh so, Hart or something. Yeah. The Schroeder trade, you, you know, can agree with it or disagree with it. Like that's its own thing. But looking at like give it not carving out a little bit of money from our MLEs to turn Austin Reeves into a three-year contract yeah, instead of a two-year are... contract. Max Christie into a three-year yeah. contract instead of a two-year contract. THT into a yeah. third year instead of a second year. THT is overpaid right now. The reason THT is overpaid is because the Lakers had to pay him a year early. If they saw the one year that was good and then last year that was not as good and then they made a decision, we'd be paying them less right now. So like not giving yourself more time to evaluate these players really, really hurt. Or what, no, he, he had three years, um, but the first year didn't play all that much. Um, not like that little smart thing that you can do can make a big difference in terms of like another thing I've seen teams do that can be really smart is like getting team options whenever possible instead of player options. When mm -hmm. you're looking to trade a Kendrick Nunn last season, last trade deadline, he's not valuable because on the current year, you know, he hadn't been playing. That's an unfortunate situation. It wasn't something we could have seen. But if he was on a solid two-year deal or had, a you know, that year and then a team option, you can evaluate him and there's some upside to get value with him. 
if he became healthy and played and was really good, he's out of town and can go get a better deal. Um, so that caps the kind of value you can get in a trade with him. And we've talked about that in the past. So like things like that, or like Lonnie Walker, I don't love the pick. He's on a one-year deal. There's no upside there. Um, like just things like that, whether it be with drafted or undrafted free agents, whether it be with, with free agents that we get on player options, some of those little things along with some of the bigger trades, I'd say there are some margins that haven't quite been seized the, the way that they potentially could have been. And I worry in this situation what that's going to look like. I think ultimately the Lakers are going to pay what they need to pay to make it happen. Um, and the other one factor here is what is the internal pressure? What does Clutch think? What does LeBron think? We know LeBron doesn't care about the picks. How much pressure is he able to exert on the Lakers to make this happen? And how does that change their negotiating position? I think it certainly hurts them if he's exerting public pressure. If privately he goes to them and says, I'm not going to sign an extension unless you make a trade happen. That's one thing. If he says, I'm not going to sign an extension unless you make Kyrie happen. That's another thing. As long as it's internal. I think that doesn't hurt your negotiating stance. If you work up, you know, let's say there's a viable Charlotte trade available or a viable Indianapolis trade available. And you have those lined up and you go to the bargaining table with Brooklyn and we say, you know, we have a better, you know, we have better leverage now because we have other options. We have more options than just Kyrie. That's could save them a first round pick. Could save them Austin's. It could save them Max Christie. It could save them other guys. It could save them Kendrick Nunn. But then LeBron, if if LeBron comes out or Clutches comes out or Dave, it'll be through like Dave McMenamin and says it's Kyrie or bust, suddenly those alternative trades don't matter anymore in the, in the negotiation and you're back to square one. So that's the thing I'm worried about currently um, in terms of potentially damaging the Lakers trade position. At the end of the day, I think they're going to make it happen, but I am anticipating it's going to be for more on the high end of what they could pay for him. So, well, you you bring up an interesting hypothetical. I kind of want to frame it just a little clearly just to see where you stand on. If uh, the line – does the line in the sand that you were talking about in the trade for Kyrie move if LeBron is given an ultimatum to get it done by the date where he can extend, I think, in August on a one plus one? So if you – would you push that line in the sand – forward back however you want to say it to give up more knowing that it's what lebron wants and if you do it it will mean an extension is coming thereafter so you're you're getting one more year of locked in lebron Kyrie's already one year potentially gone yeah um hmm. <laughs> i think that's the tricky thing i think that but i think that is thing. real leverage right and it's gonna be there, you're going to find people who who will think this way. I don't think the Lakers are going to think this way. Where you say LeBron in two seasons is is that guy? Like, how good will he be? As long as he keeps still playing, probably like better than anything else you can get. But fair, yeah. it's fair. Yeah. So he's his play should continue to diminish over time. I don't foresee a gigantic drop off given how smart he is, how good of a playmaker he is, how his shooting has improved. He's not, his game is not reliant upon getting to and finishing at the rim anymore. So I, oh man, I think it matters though. I think that's a, I think that moves the needle. I think that moves the line in the sand. I mean, that makes it, it more, you know, leverage to compete for a championship this year and go big and all in for lack of a mm -hmm. better term, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's a real 
like that's within LeBron's right. He can do that. I think the right way to do that is to do that internally. I don't think the right way to right. do that is to say it publicly. Because if you do say it publicly, it's going to hurt you in the negotiations and to the point where you're probably going to lose, you know, trade capital, which he doesn't care about. But it could also hurt you in terms of which players are leaving the team. It could be the difference between, you know, trading Kendrick Nunn and trading THT or trading Austin Reeves or not trading Austin Reeves. And it could also impact who's coming back in the deal. If there's a difference between Royce O'Neal and Joe Harris, that's a huge difference to me. If it's a difference between Seth Curry and Joe Harris, I think there's a little bit of a difference there. So there's the short term and the long term to this. And you just have to worry about what the Lakers or Clutch, you know, not being on the same page strategy wise and communications wise with leaks and whatnot, how that can damage their their position both short and long term. That's tough, man, because as constructed, this team does not have a championship upside, I think. Um, nope. And yeah. you, you got to go all in, but you also have to balance the this is what set us back and limits us in being all in is not being able to win on those margins. And I think the shout, shoot, you know, shouting out, not being able to give Reese a three year deal, THT, all those things in the margins. Um, yeah, they. They, they make a big difference when you add them all mm-hmm. up in, in a vacuum. One little thing, you lose a little bit of uh, pick value trading for Dennis Schroeder, and then you, A, don't retain him, and then, B, you lose on an opportunity to have a locked-in four-year contract for a decent price for a young player. Yep. So mm-hmm. there's these they like Caruso walk, right. like so many of those kinds of... And they're slightly a- connected asset- in a lot of joints, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's a person, there's a human element to this. From a GM standpoint, you have to be able to think from an asset management standpoint. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, like if you invest in things and then they just completely disappear and you get nothing back for them while you're operating above the cap and you don't have cap space, you, you're you're just continuing to, on paper, be a less and less talented team. Or you should you're be bleeding. a less and less talented yeah, team. Opportunity. Yeah, opportunity. Absolutely. Now, I, I guess another big piece of this, Tom, would be, let's assume the Lakers do have options. Let's say they can get a couple trades done and they're giving out the same, we'll say Russ and THT, no matter which deal they're making and two first round picks. Between the Brooklyn side, I think you're going to get Kyrie and then one of either Harris, Royce O'Neal, or Seth Curry. And then on the Indiana side, we'll just say it's Turner and Heald. How do you stack? How do those stack up in your mind? For me, I think... Kyrie and O'Neal first, and then I think I think I might go Turner bra- uh, Turner healed second, and then Kyrie Curry third, Kyrie Harris fourth. Maybe flipping those last two depending on health. That sounds about right. I'm I'm still very intrigued by uh, the 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 healed Turner deal, and I would say if if you're saying those packages are cost the same, which mm-hmm. I think is what you're saying, I still yes. I still think Kyrie and well, I didn't. Re- I haven't heard O'Neal being a part of this. Uh, they just traded a first round pick for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I mean, I yeah. I don't. I think that's the least likely one. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think in a perfect world, I guess they get a second or a first back at least. You know, and they'll get another first for their trouble. Uh, I don't know. I think they could probably also unload Royce O'Neal to another contending team for a first and mm-hmm. and stuff. So 
Probably. So maybe that one's not. That one is the least likely of all of the iterations that right. I just brought up. If I, it were possible, would you make it your top choice for the same cost? Yes. Okay. But so past all things that, being it, equal, I do think uh, the Turner and Heald deal was probably better. All things considered, you don't have to dip your toe into the Kyrie Lake. You don't have to, you know... <laughs> You know what I mean? You don't have to worry about that end of things. You get Turner in, you get healed, you know, you complete the the heel to LA, which Lakers fans have been, you know, being teased with for three off seasons now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, I think that deal is underrated in its quality and what it and the this kind of ceiling it could provide for this team. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I, I think with Kyrie and with Turner, you have availability concerns. Mm, that's fair. Through injuries, through through COVID stuff. Like with both of them, that's somewhat a wash to me. Uh, I think Kyrie's a better player than Turner. But then Turner, on the flip side, if it's Joe Harris as the package, you know, he'll just say what you will about him. He plays like almost every yeah. game. I'll take, yeah, Heald is going to play a lot. Heald is healthy. Heald is, to me, even, you know, if if Harris is healthy, like, I'd rather have Heald, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a better, more complete offensive player. Defensively, his weaknesses are ones that I feel better about being able to cover up. Um, so I prefer Heald over Curry or Harris. And, yeah, then it's just... Man, Turner and AD would be it's, such a perfect combo. So like he's good, the Tim. perfect combo. It would be so good. That's what I'm saying. Like Kyrie is objectively the best player in that equation, but mm-hmm. the, I think the highest like positive return would be from like a sharpshooting movement shooter and a very like solid pick and pop rim defending big. Like that is just exactly what this team needs, and it, to get two players in one deal like that for a a negative like a huge huge drain on your other lineups your other you know lineup composites it's like it's not only addition by subtraction it, it's just a very very po- a positive addition on the other side of it mm-hmm. yeah and then turner and Kyrie are both going to be free agents next off season and i'd say you have a decent shot to retain both of them potentially i think Kyrie's a little bit more of a wild card but uh man i'm excited by that potential combo it'd be so much fun it would be like it would enable ad to to play at his best i think on both ends of the court from a, a position role standpoint oh, lebron so, too having that extra, yeah. extra space i know he's yeah not getting to the rim as you much, will be okay, yeah. it'll be better they will immediately be a very good defensive team i think yeah um and getting back to what we were talking about earlier where we we're like you know some of these guard wing big like we don't trust the shooting how do you put together lineups that make sense offensively yeah. if you've got turner in there that makes it a lot easier not you only can turner suddenly, but not russ like i was saying uh-huh yeah yeah it's a huge difference in terms of like how that impacts your your lineup construction and what you can potentially do so turner in a lot of ways is in he's a very good player he's also an enabler in, in those ways, both offensively and defensively in terms of how he slots his other guys into roles and also th- his shooting enabling you to not be as worried about some of the other positions. Um, and then just, just getting off of Russ in general from a shooting perspective offensively is, is a big thing. Let's do it. Let's call it in right now, Tim. <laughs> 
I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't I think either. they want more than we can offer. Uh, I think Kyrie and Joe Harris is probably the most realistic haul the Lakers are going to get. But I mean, that team's championship ceiling is still higher. I don't, you know, I don't know if quite yeah. it's it's quite where we want it to be, but it's certainly higher than it is now. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, are you all that worried about the 2027 and 2029 first round picks? Like we have other picks in the future. It's not like the Lakers have no picks. It's just that they don't have tradable picks. Right. So between our scouting department. They'll be able to trade continuing, on the draft. At the draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they'll have flexibility in the future. Not as like from a trade standpoint, this is your last bullet. I think you're never going to be able to make or not never <laughs> this season. You're locking into this team this season and next season, basically. Um, like these are the, the the groups of players. This is how you're going to spend your your draft. Uh, your, I'm sorry, your trade uh, capital. So uh, I think my line in the sand makes giving two first round picks acceptable to me. I would want protections on them, but at the end of the day. Would you rather have Russ coming back with this team? No. Or would you rather give away two unprotected first-round picks for Kyrie? See, it shouldn't have to be either or, but it is, and that is part of our own making, you know, the bed they made. Now they have to deal with it. And my problem with that, Tim, is that, you know, I don't want to go through another 10-year stretch where the Lakers fucking suck. And if you don't have a lot of assets you know you have an aging ad you know lebron's retired in 2026 or whatever he whenever he retires sooner probably you Mm -hmm. know and then you're a cap space team that actually doesn't sign a lot of cap space like free agents like that's hasn't worked out great uh you know in that dead space after you know kobe and up to lebron Mm-hmm. So it's just like I want this team to have the options to be very good every year, and they slowly take that away. That probability, you know, goes from you know a little bit down each time they sacrifice something later for something now, um, yeah. because they're either overpaying or mismanaging assets, and that's what is frustrating to me. That's why I'm hesitant mm-hmm. to say, yeah, let's give it up, but at the same time. You can't waste another year of Anthony Davis and LeBron James prime. And I guess also some perspective. Think about where we were at the trade deadline last year and what we were talking about potentially trading for and including a first round pick. Miles Turner. Yes, but then also like (laughs) – No, like the OKC trade, which what the OKC trade was on the Lakers trade board. Like that's a trade they were considering. Um, They didn't end up pulling the trigger and I understand why. Uh, and, and, you know, in the moment it was like frustrating that they didn't do anything, but at the end of the day, it was the right decision not to, you know, trade away that asset for Kenrich Williams and and Mike Muscala. Um, at this point, now we're talking about Kyrie Irving, like we, the completely different caliber of player and for his own special unique reasons is available and, and, you know, is at this discount for the Lakers potentially, um, just given his history and how he is as a player and a person and, and how that impacts what teams are willing to spend on him and, you know, where his contract situation is. It's just, you know, this is your chance to extend the title window one more year, at least one more year, maybe two more years, maybe three more years, probably one or two more years. And as much as I don't want to stink in the future, 
I I think it's it's still going to be like it, it's not that you're trading away your Caruso, your KCP, your Kuzma. Like you're trading away to draft rookies years from now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that this makes or breaks whether or not the Lakers can be a good team. That so at the end of the day, I think I'm willing to do it. I I get it. I do. And if they were, uh, if if the Lakers weren't so good with their draft picks, it you know, I just want no these changes. guys to have shots. Yeah. You got to give mm-hmm. these guys shots and uh, set them up to provide that value that you're missing because that's mm-hmm. that's where the team can recoup some of that asset management right is to knock it out of the park on these sure. on these draft picks yeah so let's um we'll, we'll wrap it up on this one but we've got summer league to look forward to and, and yeah. the Lakers team is is playing and we've got Christie, Swider, pippen like there are dudes that are or potentially will play for well they will be playing for the lakers uh parent team so that is exciting and we'll have to dig into them um we also, I think, can do a deeper dive on some of these free agent players once we watch yeah. a little bit more film on them. There's a lot of time. You, there's a lot of time. Oh, there's so much time. Yeah. So, so there's a lot that we still have to to dig into. Um, Lineups. But, you know, yeah. So much. What? How do they fit in with the system? What is yeah. the summer league offense and defense like? What do those look like preseason? What does the scheme look like? How do guys fit in? Yeah. So much going on, but. Um, for continued discussion, because we're going to wrap it up here, hop in that Discord. I've Our film room channel is going to be pumping out content moving forward as I'm digging into Summer League, as I'm digging into preseason, as we're digging into these free agents and how they played last year. We had a bunch of Troy Brown content in there recently. Um, check that out. If you want to get into the Discord group, uh, just DM Tom, me, or our Lakers Exceptionals and Podcast Twitter account. If star five-star review of the podcast or check out the link in my bio, and there are other options to get in from there. I uh, want to sh- uh, shout out the, the folks already in there. We've got Mike H., uh, TJ Timotaji um, for generously supporting us as arena sponsors, as well as to Zach Harris, QDadio, iPod Shuffle, Romario Chamber, Miguel T. Shuttleworth, Omar, Ham Slam, which great name, Eric Roy, and Doppel for living the high life with us in the owner's box. And then also to everyone in the courtside and lower bowl crews supporting everything we're doing. I, Tom asked, what questions do you have about the free agents? Got 28 questions. So I'm going to have four bonus pods of seven questions each spread out over the next couple of weeks, digging into some of those key burning questions about some of those free agents to give the lower bowl crew and every other two that we've covered some of that extra content. So we'll, you know, we'll keep these going once a week, but you'll, those folks in there between the film stuff and those bonus pods have a lot of additional content on the way as well. So wanted to shout out, shout that out before we got going, but um, you know, there's so much beyond just this podcast that you can dig into with, with the Lakers sex mafia. Absolutely. I'm sad to be missing summer league this year. Didn't have a chance to make it out Mm. there, but it's a great time and uh, watch the summer league games because there is basketball right now that we could talk about and, We'll probably jump into next week, but until then, we'll talk to you later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.